Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Hello and welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. This is episode number 225, Field of Dreams. Tonight we are going to be talking about... Tonight we're going to be talking about our dreams. What are your dreams? What are my dreams? Does anybody really want to know? Probably not. Not really. No. No. Um, I was I was considering whether to start the podcast with a Harry Carey impersonation coming with a hey, if you guys listen to a podcast, would you listen to a podcast that was made out of spare ribs anyway? Um, so so this time we're talking Field of Dreams, talking baseball movies. Uh, actually, the first couple of weeks of this month are our baseball movies. Uh, we got yeah, Field are. of Dreams and we got Major League. So those are going to be fun. Um, I feel like we kind of did like back to back lethal weapon license to kill um, with everything being revoked. And then these next two weeks are baseball, baseball as well. So as you probably as well, it should be. So as you can probably hear in the background, I've got both Jeff and Bo with me. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. Yo, howdy. Um, And then we should have Pat and I believe Dennis is going to try to make it. Dennis is another one of our uh, big baseball fans, even though he chooses the wrong team uh, to cheer for. Uh, He is one of our other big baseball fans and he actually played baseball for a while. And so he wanted to join us for this one, but I know he had some other stuff uh, going on with, uh, I think, an awards ceremony tonight or something. Did you know um, that so. a week from yesterday, pitchers and catchers report to spring training? Uh-huh. Is it really that soon? Oh, yeah. That's insane. It's it's still negative temperatures. Doesn't matter. Well, it's they go to well, Arizona. Not, not in Arizona, right. right. Wow. That's kind of crazy. You know what I said? This is not related to our podcast, but it's related to baseball. I didn't realize that at the end of this season, the Cubs are not on WGN anymore. No, that's true. They will yeah. be. Uh, they, they will be launching their own network. I was. I was just reading about that. I did not realize that, and I was kind of. I was a little sad because we used to listen to the Cubs all the time on WGN Radio on seven twenty, and now I don't know that we listen to the radio all that much anymore. Now that they're not on there, six seventy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they've been spooling up for this network thing for a while. Mm-hmm. The latest contract they signed with all those teams was with all the other networks was designed to expire this year on purpose. Okay. Because their contract with Comcast Sportsnet's up this year and Gotcha. But they're all not right. the only they're not the only team to do this. No, oh, no. no, that's true. Yankees have done it, the Red Sox have done it. I think the Dodgers have done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of I mean a lot of college teams have been going that way too. I know my my Texas Longhorns have their own network. That they put all their all their games on and go Irish, go, go where? Ah, I see what you did there. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna Just jump on into blazing saddles, gentlemen. Um, so we're gonna jump on into our 
spoiler alert section here very quickly. We spoil the movies we talk about. We're going to talk about Field of Dreams. We may talk about other movies, so just be aware. We spoil movies. If you start to hear a movie title that you don't want to hear anything about, you may want to just skip ahead for a few seconds uh, just to get past that. If you have not yet left us a review on iTunes, please do that. Uh, it just takes a couple minutes, and it's a great way to let us know what you're enjoying about the show. And then visit our website if you want to find other ways to get in touch with us. We're on a whole bunch of the different social medias. Uh, so if you want to go to our website, 30podcast.com, that's got our voicemail line and all the different ways that you can find our show. Um, that itself is also a great way to get to all of our past episodes before this one. So, Hey, um, speaking yeah. of baseball, you guys know what I'm doing on Saturday? What are you doing on Saturday? I am participating in a season ticket game draft. Oh, what is this? Well, that's fun. My uh, my father-in-law went in with a couple other people for Cubs season tickets, and each uh, each person is getting 20 games. He is unable to make it to the draft that they're holding, mm-hmm. so he asked me if I would sit in in his stead so I get to uh, participate and pick, uh, pick the games for the season that hopefully uh, I'll get a couple that I really, really want. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Nice. What you... I've never done it before, so I'm I'm excited to to do this. Cool. What uh, what games like? What's your top pick? You know, I think I'm going to go for opening day. Okay. Because the That'd be uh, fun. the seats are uh, one of the new clubs. Okay. So if it gets nice. too cold, we can just go inside. Sure. Right on. Uh, might try for one of the White Sox games as well. Then the usual, you know, Brewers, Cardinals, mm-hmm. Dodgers. Nice. Maybe Oakland because they're coming to town this year. So who knows? Okay. Yeah, it's it's always fun to catch those teams that you never see. Yeah, I remember. When I, th- Boston I thought about going there. to uh, the opening game of the season down in Texas because they're playing the Rangers during our spring break. Uh, right right yeah. on. And I've I've only walked around the ballpark of Arlington. I've never been in mm-hmm. it, and I've, I've always never been wanted to, the- to go to a game there. Yeah, I've never been to the new one. We went the old one a lot growing up because that's where I lived. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've never been to the new one. Driven by it a few times, but never been inside. And then aren't they building? It's, it's aren't they building a brand new one right now? I think so. Yeah. Well, because it's been. I think they just built it when I moved away from Texas, and that's been what twenty. Oh gosh, like that's almost been. 25, 28 years now. So yeah, oh. that when I say new stadium, I mean the one that's twenty eight years old. That sounds yeah, like yeah. There's a conference coming up at work that part of the conference is a tour of that stadium and of AT&T, like the opening activities or tours of both stadiums. I really have no business going, but I kind of want to go. <laughs> yeah, you should. Why not? Should we do some real quick new movie news? Yeah, yeah. Let's go through those real quick. We, I think we had so much that we're going to do some this week and some next week, but let's yeah, go ahead and do I, We've yeah, got a few I, of them we want to do. I ended up with, I think, seven or eight things that I, that I had found. But yeah. all right. First thing that I, uh, that I came across is, uh, I think as of today, word came out that Avengers Endgame may have to include an intermission because of the runtime of the movie. I was reading something about that. In at about three hours, and Marvel is considering, instead of making people sit through the three hours, uh, dropping an intermission somewhere in there for a quick break. I don't necessarily know that I like that idea, but then again, the older I get, try to sit through a movie uninterrupted, uh-huh. the harder that's become. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not a bad way to go. But what do you guys think? I think as long as they have some kind of a some kind of a clear cliffhanger when they decide to do the intermission, I, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think you've got to make it a thing. 
Like, you've either got to be hysterical about it, or there's got to be some... It can't just be halfway through the movie. Oh, intermission. gotta like, be a purpose to it deadpool shows up and like all of a sudden like it looks like a movie is spliced in and it's deadpool he's like hey hey i'm just here to give you guys a break that would be fine but that'd they, be cool they, they've got to do something you know what i mean it's got to be or or here we go halfway through the movie there and, and i don't know anything about the movie but i i would assume they're going to be fighting thanos or trying to fix whatever happened in infinity war but what would be awesome is if halfway through the movie right before they go to intermission you see the silhouette walk onto the screen and all of a sudden claws come out of his hand and then it goes to intermission ah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the uh, the canagallo move exactly mm-hmm. i would highly i would highly approve of that <laughs> we Pat, thought that might. would be that would be the moment Pat would wake up in the movie. His yeah. name is Pat Canagallo, and he approves this message. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, real quick, Daniela said thank you. She saw you guys waving. The audio was cutting out on our end, and uh, I was trying to... Anyways, she was very excited to be part of the podcast. She thought it was pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell her when she gets a little bit older, she can come on and be a co-host with us. Yes, she says, well, do I get mm-hmm. to talk? No. Well, what was the movie? <laughs> Field of well, Dream. Well, have I seen it? No. Well, why not? Well, I don't know, Danielle. It's a school night. Go to bed. We'll talk about it this week. That's a good question, Dad. Why hasn't she seen it? Yeah, what the heck, man? That's right. That's right. All right. So, yeah, so the intermission for Endgame, I'm okay with it. Um, the one thing I'm trying to remember, though, is how long were the Lord of the Rings movies and they didn't have intermission? Yeah, that that came to my mind as well, that the uh, Lord of the Rings movies were, they were easily three hours. Yeah. And they didn't have an intermission. So I don't yeah. know. The second thing that I stumbled across, and this is more just irritating to me because I just can't handle how petty and crazy people are are, are becoming. I was hoping this would all end in 2018 and the we're offended by everything would uh, I, that ideology would go away. But apparently it I'm hasn't. Off- and I'm offended that you wanted that to go away. Well, <laughs> whatever. Um, Continue. So, Toy Story 4, Little Bo Peep makes her triumphant return. She was not in Toy Story 3. Um, and she's uh, has a little bit more of a modern look to her in Toy Story 4. Additionally, she's also carrying around her shepherd's crook. And this has gotten the group, the animal rights group, PETA, very upset. And they are calling on the director and calling on Disney to reanimate the movie or her scenes in the movie without the shepherd's crook because it is an archaic tool that has been used by shepherds in the past, much the same way that a bull hook was once used on elephants in circuses. And an additional uh, message from PETA's manager of animals in film and television. She says a symbol of domination over an animal is a thing of the past and not something that belongs in toy story four. Won't you please consider removing Bo Peep's crook from the final animation? What do we think about this idea? Hang on. Let me put down my lamb, lamb kebab sandwich, and then I'll take <laughs> I think that's I, a, I think that's a giant load of sheep. 
I've had enough of hearing about these people complain about animals. Well, I mean, is is there really any merit to this complaint? It's not like they're taking a live animal and sacrificing it on the screen. They're not even depicting violence to animals. It is a classic character with a classic character's accoutrement. You know, a shepherd, you know, little Bo Peep has her shepherd's crook. I don't necess- necessarily see the harm in that. Um, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's part of the character. It's part of the costume. That's a... That's a... Eesh. And and really, I'm not, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying this in a way that says if they passionately believe in something that they shouldn't fight for what they believe in. But there's got to be more important things in the world related to animal rights than trying to ask Disney to reanimate a character in a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be other things if you want to fight for farms to treat their animals better before they're slaughtered or, you know, not slaughter them at all. Or, they, you know, I don't agree with that, but... Go. I agree with treating animals fine, but um, I'm still going to eat a hamburger every now and then. But I f- there's got to be other way more important, way more impactful things that you could do than ask Disney to reanimate something that they're really not. They're clearly not going to do. They're not going to go back just because well, Peter asked I, them to. I Disney has yet to comment in uh, in my research. I haven't seen any uh, any comment from Disney yet. So who knows? Yeah. You know, they may go back because they they do enjoy uh, appeasing the masses, but I would not at all mind if Disney said, okay, you know what? Of all the things that people find offensive in this world, mm-hmm. go away with that. It's, re- you know, I, I think it's ridiculous. You know, maybe I'll be wrong when I see how, if if it's used in the movie, how it's used in the movie, but I don't think that it is going to be giving the message to young people or giving the message to anybody that this is something that should still be used and we should still be, you know, caning sheep and hooking them by the neck and hooking them by the legs. Well, they could reanimate it so that she's just holding a walkie talkie. Yeah. Let's not go there. (laughs) We we don't have time for that discussion. No. Yeah. Um, That's my thought. Well, and the, then the last thing that I wanted to share is... Um, oh, please share it. This is more for the Chicago area people that may or may not be listening to our podcast. Dare I say legendary comic book artist Alex Ross say will, be, uh, will be featured in a, um, in a display at the Best Bauer Dunn Museum in Libertyville including a lot of uh, never-before-seen works, um, sculptures that he's made, as well as uh, just uh, some of his more famous comic uh, prints and drawings that he's done. Those of you that don't know Alex Ross, the best way I can put it is if uh, Norman Rockwell painted comic books. Mm-hmm. It's it's that level of realism and, and heart and emotion and everything that he creates. So... Yeah. And if anybody, if anybody wants a really good Alex Ross comic to go check out, my favorite is Kingdom Come. Absolutely. Hands down. And I will say, I'm just going to take this moment to say that Jeff Mazuka is a saint of a man because he waited in line three hours. At least three hours. At least three hours. And was willing to... You were going to wait in line anyway, I think. But Yeah. Yeah. But you took my copies of Kingdom Come and got the autograph for me. Yes. Right on. So, that was yes, very I nice did. of you. So you're, that was my entire morning at C2E2 that year. So I... I I renounce everything anyone has ever said about you. You are a saint of a man. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. 
but this uh, this display is going to run, I believe, March through September. Um, I haven't seen anything about any uh, admission cost to get in, but I can't imagine it would be too much. No, the museum itself, I, I've been to the museum before for a, a school-related thing, um, and I want to say it's maybe like $6, maybe. I don't, I think, it, I don't though, think it's more than $10. I feel as though I'm going to be going to this thing a couple of times. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to take the kids to go see it because they've they've read some of his comics. They know, you know, at least my son, I know, you know, if I say Alex Ross, he knows what I'm talking about. I uh, I, I think his work is is amazing. Yeah. You know, just it's beautiful work. So I'm I'm really excited to see uh see what this uh whole collection looks like. So again, that's gonna be in Libertyville, uh March through September. If I happen to stumble across any other information about it, I will keep uh, plugging it on our podcast for people in the Chicagoland area. I didn't know that Alex Frost lived in the area. He does. I don't remember exactly where, but I know he's fairly local. Uh, I was reading part of the news article. This is actually the comic book store that I go to in Libertyville. Um, it says the exhibition will include a variety of programs and events, including book signings by Ross and a comic book giveaway day, May 4th in cooperation with dream, uh, dreamland comics in Libertyville. Um, yes. And Which is Star May, Wars Day? May 4th. Well, it's Star Wars Day, but is it, it may also be, if that's a Saturday, it may also be the free comic book day. So uh, maybe that is a Saturday. Okay. So, well, Star Wars Day and free comic book day are same day this year. So, And I'm going to be in the area because my play is going yourself, up that John. night. The stars have aligned. So maybe, mm -hmm. I'll, uh, maybe I'll come out early and join you. So maybe we'll be there. Okay. We'll have to do but that. But yeah, so... Anyone that that has any vague interest in comic books or comic book art, this would still be an exceptional exhibit for you to go see because mm. his uh, his drawings capture just a lot of uh, emotion and heart and realness, and it's it, it's great stuff. So anyway, yeah, that's all I got for for this week. I'll uh, I'll have some more movie stuff to discuss uh, next week. Awesome. That's all I wanted to throw out there this week. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to jump into this week in 89. So the week of February 6th to 12th, 1989, uh, on February 10th, the WWF wrestling in a court case had to officially admit that pro wrestling is an exhibition and entertainment, not a sport uh, as part of a court case. So um, I'm sure that when I heard that, it broke my heart as a young child, as a young burgeoning Hulkamaniac. Uh, who was saying my prayers and taking my vitamins and, and felt like I was a real American, but brother, <laughs> brother, what you going to do, brother? Um, and then on February 12th, Wayne, Gretzky, you know, something mean Gene, you know, what? I love going back and watching those old videos of when oh, they're they great the talks with mean Gene and it, it now watching it as an adult. I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, okay. So now I know what my parents felt like on the couch behind me while I was watching this on the floor. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, uh, February 12th, Wayne Gretzky sets two records, his 45th hat trick and his 10th 40 plus goal season. Uh, the top book this week in 89 was Midnight by Dean Koontz. The top movie was The Fly 2, starring Eric Stoltz, Daphne Zuniga, and directed by Chris Wallace. And the top song was Straight Up by Paula Abdul. All right. Uh, everybody ready to jump on into Field of Dreams? Mm -hmm. I think. I think so. Pat, Pat's ready to lead our discussion. Are you ready to go, Pat? After the lunchtime uh, situation today, uh, I, my job, I've been told, is to start the discussion and then just get out of the way. That's my understanding of You're going to start the discussion, and then we're going to come in and correct you. 
in the interest of the John McLaughlin talk. Yeah, it was it was a uh, I I know my role. I know my place. I missed this whole thing. Oh yes, it okay. was it, it, it was I wish we could have videoed it. It was classic. All right. Well, our movie this time is Field of Dreams. It came out the 5th of May, 1989, rated PG with a runtime of 1 hour and 47 minutes. Uh, the director was Phil Alden Robinson, who also did Sneakers and The Sum of All Fears. Sneakers uh, is a great movie. You fantastic. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, um, dear God. John, yeah. I'll bring it for you tomorrow. Okay. All right. It's got to go on my list. Um, you know what else I had not seen before um, the, the whole week that I was out sick? Uh, Warriors, the movie from 1979. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, the gang movie where the gang mm-hmm. has to like Warriors. get through the city of New York. Yeah. Come mm-hmm. out to play. I had never seen that movie. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, producers on this one, Charles Gordon and Lawrence Gordon together. They both did die hard and the rocketeer, uh, writers on this one are WP Kinsella who died in 2016. Uh, he did the book uh, called dance me outside, which also was turned into a movie. And then director Phil Alden Robinson was also one of the writers. He also wrote sneakers and had an uncredited writing job on Fletch. Cinematography was done by John Lindley who did Pleasantville, the core and sneakers. Music was done by James Horner, who died in 2015. He did Titanic, Star Trek II, Aliens, and The Rocketeer. The budget for this one was $15 million. The box office was $84.4 million. Uh, ratings on this one, a little quick side note. Flick Metrics is kind of like their numbers have been off the last few times I've looked, so I've gone back to just pulling out the numbers from the different websites. So the Rotten Tomatoes top critics give this one a 62%. Rotten Tomatoes audience score is an 86%. IMDb gives it a 75. Letterboxd gives it a 70. And Cinema Score gives it an A. Starring Kevin Costner as Ray Kinsella, who was in Dances with Wolves and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Amy Madigan as Annie Kinsella. She was in Uncle Buck and Streets of Fire. Gabby Hoffman was Karen Kinsella. She was in Uncle Buck and Everyone Says I Love You. Ray Liotta was Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was in Goodfellas and Hannibal. Timothy Buzzfield was Mark. He was in 30-something and The West Wing. James Earl Jones was Terrence Mann. He was in the Star Wars movies and The Lion King. Burt Lancaster, who died in 1994, was Dr. Archibald Moonlight Graham. He was in From Here to Eternity and Gunfight at the OK Corral. Frank Whaley was Archie Graham. He was in Pulp Fiction and Broken Arrow. And Dwyer Brown was John Kinsella. He was in To Live and Die in L.A. and Red Dragon. Here is the audio for the trailer, and we'll be back in just a second. I have just created something totally illogical. That's what I like about If you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. If you build what, who will come? Inside. I hate it when that happens. Me too. Who's your invoices? Ray is. <laughs> I know what if you build it, he will come means. Ooh, why do I not think this is such a good thing? Daddy, there's a man up there on your lawn. Are you a ghost? What do you think? You look real to me. Hi! You couldn't see it. This is really interesting. You believed in the magic. It happened. Isn't that enough? Annie, it's more than that. I feel it as strongly as I've ever felt anything in my life. There's a reason. Go the distance. Did you hear the voice, too? Did you hear it? Go the distance. 
Yes. Doc Grave is dead. He died in 1972. Are you Moonlight Graham? No one's called me Moonlight Graham in 50 years. Unbelievable. It's more than that. It's perfect. You build a baseball field in the middle of nowhere, and you sit here, and you stare at nothing. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster. Sometimes, when you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true. Field of Dreams. All right, so I don't think I have to ask the question as to whether or not this is the first time anybody saw this. I'm assuming everybody has seen this movie before. Many, many, many glorious times. Many Certainly, glorious. most definitely. Okay, so let's start off well, with... Hold on, Pat. How oh. many times have oh, you yeah. seen this? Uh, All the way through. I think this is probably only the second time. Wow. Pat, do you need to start the discussion? I, I think I missed part of this earlier today. Are you ready to go with all of your notes and research? And uh, I, uh, My soul is prepared. How's yours? It's a little queasy, but it's okay. All right. Uh, by the way, it's good to have you with us. I'm glad you're alive. And it's it's going to be... It's going to be vertical. Well, um, I, I will let that one pass, but you know, take, take that as you will. But um, so let me start off with this question then. Uh, what do you, not my usual question of, you know, when did you first see this and all that other stuff? Um, what do you love about this movie? I think at least most of us, I, Pat, I haven't talked to you about this one yet, um, but I know Bo and I know Jeff and I know we've talked about this before. What do you love about this movie? Cause I think we all love this movie. Absolutely. Everything. <laughs> um, that's the that's the almost famous answer to begin with everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's the James Earl Jones speech about baseball, the just the, the just the seeing a a classic game of baseball played is it's just too good. The the concept of being able to reconnect with his dad, the shoeless Joe angle, everything. I love that as much as this movie is about baseball, it is equally not about baseball. You actually don't spend a lot of time on the field. Baseball is 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 the 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 basic foundation, the framework that the rest of of this movie is built around. They they use this concept of baseball as the uh, the through line to really build this story. Um, I, I, just, I, I love everything about it. Patrick? Well said. I, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I, I agree with what you're saying. I really, um, it, like, like you said, everything about it, it just looks, all the people that they have playing the roles seem perfectly fitted, perfectly suited for their characters. I think I like that it has uh, an affirming, uh, an affirming message, but it's not done in a in a melodramatic or trite way. Um, I really think that uh, um, uh, the music plays just such a, a a powerful role in this. And if nothing more than just that that very understated, you know, theme that I'm going to butcher trying to sing it, but that da 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 bum, and then. You know they'll they'll play the theme through with the piano and 
it, it, it's just it's a theme that really just kind of sits with it, you it's beautiful um, it's haunting it's it's mysterious it's, it's everything and like yeah. jeff yes <laughs> I, I am beautiful haunting and mysterious and the movie really i mean i think what i would take away is that the movie could really lead to some some deeper discussions and i think i don't want to preempt your five questions but i think that some of your five questions you know kind of get into this get into that but i think that the movie could bro uh, broker you know a deeper discussion on on many levels and um i'm just gonna uh uh end um by saying i really like that it's not just I, I, jeff like you said it's not about it's about baseball but not about baseball or uh however you said that but the the field of dreams in some way shape or form they all kind of it all kind of relates and revolves around baseball but it's the field where you know it's more nuanced than just okay these guys got a chance to play baseball again or they're ghosts or whatever they yeah are. it's it's, it's, it's where dreams come true it's where dreams come true i'm gonna have a catch with my dad uh this guy is going to get a chance to just get his shot of playing a game with the pros and but but his overall dream of or his his mission in life of being a doctor and saving and affecting so many other people i don't have that right so dennis i'm sure will jump in and correct me on that <clears throat> but whatever his overall message was <laughs> on that um you know that was able to come true even on the field you know he was able to do what his life's work was so I, I just I just think it's cool that that the message in it and the idea of the field of dreams, it was more nuanced and more in depth than just the ghosts are coming back to play and they inspire the real people or the living people, I should say. I, I, so that's that was my takeaway. Yeah, I, I think and I've seen this movie a whole bunch of times. I come to find out my wife has seen this movie way more times than I have and she can quote this thing. Um, nice. You know, I haven't seen it that many times to be able to quote it, but. Um, I think today at lunch, I said that I, this is probably one of the few movies that I might be able to do from top to bottom. Really? Okay. Quoting. Yeah. Yeah. She, she would really watch close. it. She would watch it a lot with her grandmother. Like this is one of her grandma's favorite movies. Um, her grandma's a big Cubs fan, uh, loved baseball. They, we had a couple of, uh, relatives in her family that, um, I want to say like tried out for the Cubs, maybe played a game in the twenties. Um, you know, so they, they had a little bit of that history piece to it, but also one of the things I wanted to make sure that I mentioned is, um, I think one of the reasons why my wife's grandmother uh, also really enjoyed this movie is she grew up in Chisholm, Minnesota and, yes. and oh, no kidding. yeah. And so, um, Dr. Graham was her family's doctor. Like she remembers going to his doctor's office. She remembers meeting oh, him. Get out. Yeah, no, she, That's like, amazing. she always said that the stories that the people tell in this movie about him when you when they start asking all the people about uh you know moonlight graham that she said as far as i know every one of those is true like well as if i i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure that the uh the people telling the stories about him were his actual friends that knew yes. him yeah yeah i did find that when i was looking so some they stuff were up. actually telling real you know their own personal stories about him yeah yeah, she said the only the only part of it that that she didn't like about it was that the scenes that they film in Chisholm are not Chisholm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think any of it's filmed in actually in Minnesota. But no, um, but no, she loved that movie, and that was part of the. She loved baseball anyway, and I think she was a big Kevin Costner fan. But the other baseball. part of it too was being able to see her, you know, family doctor from when she was a child as one of the characters, and it was pretty cool. 
Yeah. This movie holds such a special place in so many people's hearts for so many people or so so many so many different reasons. You know, there, there's something about it that that people find something in it that they connect with. And they not only connect with, but they just hold on to. So anytime you hear the title, you you go to that place in your head and in your heart. You know, for me, it, it's, and I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, you know, my first time watching this, I was 12 years old, maybe, and uh, my dad had it on in our family room, and and he had worked multiple jobs trying to, you know, take care of his family. You know, that, that, that was his, he took on, you know, that was his role, take care of the family. I'm going to work a lot of jobs. So, you know, he was gone a lot of nights working a second job. He was a teacher, um, but he would be gone during the nights. Um, and, and, and this isn't a, you know, my family was abandoned sort of thing. It was, you know, my, my dad was doing what he had to, and he was out of the house, you know, a little bit when I was a kid. And one of the first, you know, real experiences he and I had together was sitting down and watching this movie that he had on. He had, you know, was on cable or, you know, he had taped it or something. And he and I just sat, ended up sitting down and watching it together. And it, it just became this very special thing for, for both of us. So much so that when we took a trip to the field in Iowa, he and I had a catch just like uh, Ray and his dad do at the end of the movie. You know, we stood in the same spots on the field and we had our own had our own moment there. And it was just one of the most incredible experiences of my life. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Something about this movie. Now, I, I think I'm probably safe in saying that in terms of baseball fans, I think, Jeff, you and Bo and Dennis are probably much bigger baseball fans than I am. I, I, I think I'm, you know, I, I am a fan of baseball. It's not that I don't like baseball, but I think you guys are much bigger fans of baseball as a sport than I am. And so sometimes when I come to this movie, I enjoy this movie. I love the baseball part of it. I love the history part of it. Um, but I think that, you know, when you mentioned it earlier, is that in a lot of ways, this isn't really even a baseball movie. Um, that I think that's that's how I always came to this movie is it's a movie about history and trying to recapture part of American history and and trying to redeem uh, people that you know were were cast away for something that they did and and I think in particular you know you, you talk about the memory of watching this with your dad I think in particular this is the first time that I've watched this movie since my dad passed away a few years ago. And this was a, an entirely different movie for me watching it now. Just that idea of like, for me now, this was much more of a father and son movie. Mm-hmm. And I, and I never, and I know that's a big part of the movie, but I think watching it before, cause it'd been a few years since I'd seen this movie. I think that's a part that I never really connected with as strongly and now all of a sudden, you know, and we kind of joked about it before, well, kind of joked, but not really that as a bunch of grown men, we like almost burst into tears at the end of that movie when he says the line, Hey dad, you want to, you want to have a catch? And I'm just like that never, I don't think I would have, you know, teared up at all watching that before, but now having been a few years after he passed, I'm like, okay, nope, I'm, um, don't anybody turn on the lights. <laughs> 
dad needs a moment. So a, a lot of the, a lot of it for Ray is that it's the, the, the regret at not saying what needed to be said or not saying what should have been said while he had the opportunity without getting into details. You know, do, do you feel that John, that, that, you know, you have something that you wish you could have, or, or you think I should have, I should have, I should have talked about this thing with my dad before it was too late. No, I, I think what, I think the, the similarities that I have with that part of the movie is not so much, is not so much. I wish there was something else we could have talked about. It's more of a, it's, it's a little bit along the lines of what you were saying, you know, when your dad was working a second job and, and there were times that he wasn't around as much, my dad traveled a lot, you know, for his work. And so there were a lot of times that he wasn't home. So, you know, and, and by the time he wasn't traveling as much, I had already, I mean, gone off from college. I had gotten married. I already had started my own family. So in a lot of ways, the the part that I resonate with in this is the, I just wish I had a little bit more time. Like I, mm -hmm. as much as I, I wish I could have maybe one more conversation because when he, you know, we, his health wasn't great. He had had a stroke at the end, but we didn't think that that was the end. We thought that we'd be going through years of rehab and all kinds of other stuff. And then suddenly one night he had fallen asleep and he, you know, they didn't know what had happened, but he wasn't going to wake up again. So, you know, I, I left that day. I remember leaving that day when he was in the hospital, in the rehab hospital and, and not thinking that, well, that'll be the last conversation I have. So I, I can't think of anything particular to answer your question. I can't think of any particular that I wished we would have talked about or something that I wish we would have done just in general, that chance to have just even a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was just curious, you know, Ed, yeah. Ed, because you have, you have a vantage point that, uh, that is very unique in this conversation. So I was just curious as to really what that, what that angle of it is like, because, uh, you know, that, that's the, that's, that's what you can bring to this conversation, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so and I was I, just curious. Yeah, no. And, 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 this, and, I, and, and, if I, and, and if I, if I'm prying it all too far, tell me to, uh, to shut my hole and, and, and back it up. But. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. But that's, and that's something kind of funny that I've noticed with, with all movies now, even movies where like some of the father son stuff or, or stuff with a father figure, even when it's not like, even when it's not meant to be sad or super emotional or something like that, it I like, I have a hard time watching it now. Like, and we joked about this and it's, it's coming up to one of our five questions, but we kind of joked about this and said, you know, what's, what was something that's a, a favorite, like father son movie is one of our questions that we're going to ask later. And, and I, you know, kind of jokingly said return of the Jedi, but like any situation now where there's a father and a son and uh, whether it's a sci-fi movie or what, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to need just a moment here. Um, but this movie, just that, that extra emotional weight of, the history of it all and his, this tying into his obsession. And I think my, my one line in the movie that I absolutely resonated with this time, not even the, if you build it, he will come, not even the, Hey dad, you want to have a catch? Um, I think it was the moment that he first realizes that that's his dad out there on the field. And doesn't he say something like, Oh my God, that's my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Like that line, that line was the one that hit me this time. Yeah. I think for me, actually this time watching it, um, what got me was it, it, well, it was still the, uh, you know, do you want to have a catch? You know, that line it, it, that's up there is, is one of those lines that's always going to 
always going to get me, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Um, given a new perception and new context for me when, uh, when he's talking to his dad and, uh, and his dad asks, is this heaven? No, you know, it's, it's Iowa. Oh, I could have sworn this was heaven. He says, is there heaven? He says, oh yeah, it's where dreams come true. Mm-hmm. And with that, he turns and he looks at Annie and, and his daughter. Cause that's one of his big regrets is that his dad never met. Well, not only that, but I think it, it's not so much that it, that it's his regret that his dad never met his family, but I think he's recognizing that's his dream. This is heaven for him because he's here with his family, his, his wife and his daughter. Mm. And I think now having a son, that is the part that really got to me because, you know, it, it, it's one that for me, that was a moment of, yes, I understand that dream. And for a few years there, I thought I wasn't going to be able to follow through on that dream for myself, you know, and, and now here I am, I, I am following through, I am able to, uh, you know, I, I am starting my own family. So that was a, a moment for me that really stood out and, and really just out of nowhere, huge lump in my throat and, and just tears started coming out as I just had that recognizable moment. Now, Pat, as somebody who's a, I don't want to say a non-baseball fan, but I think of all of us here, you've admitted before that you might be the least, in terms of the the sport of baseball, you might be the least knowledgeable person. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, I understand the general principles of the game, and there's certain things that I know a little bit more about than, than baseball, but uh, I mean, I'm not a hater. Right. But um, yeah, I, you know, I... It's cool. It's not my thing to do all the time, but I mean, I've been to baseball games. It's been a lot of fun and you know, that's, yeah, that would probably describe me the most. Okay. All right. So what is it? Is there anything in particular that you come away with from this movie? Is there something that resonates with you? If, if, whether it's the baseball or not? Well, I think the themes, the themes kind of, uh, resonate with me. It's almost like, and I described it to someone sort of like when we were in college, we had to read the book, the inner game of tennis for the trumpet studio I was in. And it was like, you know, the inner game of tennis, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, the, the philosophies and whatnot in there, the, the mindset, everything is real, real good. You got to read this book. And all the upperclassmen, you know, would tell the freshmen that. And you'd read it and uh, you'd say something like, well, isn't there like, you know, because there's an inner game of everything. It's like, why not do the inner game of music? No, 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 that's too they get too detailed and you lose the simple core message. This was the original book. This is the one that you have to read. It's the purest message. Even though you don't play tennis, there's still things that you can take with and apply to your life. And it, well, it was in the trumpet studio. So apply to the trumpet studio. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie is just um, many of those themes uh, uh, that you're talking about and those things and those, those powerful points in the story and seeing this wonderful beautiful story unfold you can take that with you because that underlying theme and message in the story is so strong you know whether it's a baseball movie or not is is obviously for other wiser people to uh, discuss but i think the idea that baseball is definitely a vehicle to get at some some other key philosophies and outlook and and all that and so I think that's kind of how I feel about this movie. If that, if that uh, metaphor worked for you, it's like, it's just this it's wonderful outlook on life. It's a, there's, it's a beautiful story. And, um, you know, you definitely don't have to 
be a baseball fan to get taken by that. Um, and and it's like I said, I'm not a hater. So, I mean, I'll, if baseball game's on, I'll watch it. I definitely like studying the history of things. And I know that some of the characters that they brought forth were some pretty storied, uh, uh, you know, baseball players. So that was exciting, you know, to see that as well. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned to at least one or two of you that I watched this. We watched this together with the whole family. And uh, so Nora, who's eight, and, and John, who's 11. And John plays baseball and, and loves baseball. And I, when I was going to show this to him, I thought, okay, well, hopefully they'll at least be entertained. I know John will like it for the baseball part of it. Nora will be fine because there's a little girl in it. Um, and... You know, I, I thought, you know, at the very least, they'll be entertained by this movie. It may not be their favorite movie ever, might not get much of a, a reaction out of them because it's not really, I don't think of it as a, a kid's movie. You know, at first glance, it's not a kid's movie. But, you know, for, for an 11 year old boy who normally, you know, unless he's playing video games, doesn't get a whole lot of, you know, doesn't show a whole lot of emotion for anything else in the world. Um, what was funny was we get to the end of this movie. I think I mentioned it to you guys is that he's been sitting on the edge of his chair the entire movie and um, you know, he won't turn around and talk to us when it gets to the end of the movie. Like, are you, are you okay over there, buddy? And he, he gets like, yeah, I'm fine. Like real serious. Like, and he does that whenever he's like upset or, or emotional about something, <laughs> you, you little, you know, talk amongst yourselves kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't turn around and look at us. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Like, okay, all right. Let me just kind of give him a moment because clearly he needed it. But um, and so that's kind of I mean, to me, that shows you the the emotional power of the movie, apart from the baseball. I mean, I think the baseball is what hooked him, uh, because he loves baseball, but then I think it affected him in a way he probably wasn't expecting either. He probably thought, Oh, dad's showing us a baseball movie, that's really cool. And then by the end of it, even the eleven year old boy has gotten emotional. Yeah, again, that's that's part of the appeal of of this this movie. Is it just it has a way of of resonating with so many people for so many different reasons, and clearly, as, as you're explaining, across many different generations and many different ages. I don't know what it is about the magic of this movie, but there's something about it that it's just it it's it's so good at whatever it is it's set out to do. So I know that we need to we need to get into our five questions here in just a minute. Is there anything else about the movie? I'm going to ask you before we get to the five questions. Do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line from the movie? Um, but is there anything? Oh, I, I, knew I that reject, was your, I reject <laughs> your question. I know. I know you do. It's um, there's two. Yeah. There's two for me, and and they both involve James Earl Jones. Baseball. The one that from that moment when he says baseball mm-hmm. till the end of that speech. I will put, I will use that quote, that line read it over and over. I love it. Or when he stands in the middle of the road and says, Moonlight Graham. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good too. Moonlight Graham. Yeah, just yeah. in that James Jones, like, fine, you got You me. saw it. <laughs> you saw it. Saw you're, what? You're seeing a whole team of psychologists, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're from back, the 60s. back to the sixties. <laughs> I I love I love his introduction in the movie when he opens he goes the out door. The crowbar. You know what, no, what? Oh. Like, he just opens the door. Who the hell are you? Yeah, <laughs> this big booming voice. I love that. 
You know, I'm not a public figure. I only want to be left alone. You know, you've changed. <laughs> yes, I suppose I have. How about this? Peace, love, dope. Now get the <laughs> hell out of here. If that movie's made today, does he say get the F out of here? No. No, okay. probably not. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I still think if this movie gets made today, I still think it's PG. Yeah. I would agree. I don't. Think, I, don't I don't think there's. In, fa- in fact, it's PG, and it might get made by Disney. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, it's, well, I don't know. I don't know. With all where the you mergers and acquisitions, what every third movie is technically well, a Disney movie now. That's true. I don't know what you would change or how you would change it to the point where it would have to be PG thirteen or worse. <laughs> they're they're just. I, I don't know. There's so many great things about this movie. So many great scenes. So many great lines. You know, it it it's full of heart. It's full of hope. It's full of of, of grief. It, you know, it, humor. It's full of humor. Kevin Costner is great at at playing the the, the bumbling farmer. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, they weren't even going to give him. They they weren't even going to ask him to do it. Because he had just done Bull Durham. They didn't think he'd mm-hmm. wanted to do two baseball movies in a row. Little did they know. And yeah, he, I, he I was more Kevin than happy. Costner would do a baseball movie if you dropped a hat. Mm-hmm. But but he noticed something about it that it wasn't just a baseball movie. And he was more oh, than yeah. ha- more than happy to come on board and uh, and do this. I read somewhere, I don't know if you guys saw this too. They originally the first person they offered this movie to was Tom Hanks. That's a weird one because there's a lot of rumor about it, but it's really hard to find anything concrete. Yeah. You can find a lot of concrete evidence of some of the other people they offered it to, but the Hanks ones, I don't, I hesitate to use the word apocryphal, but mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, I, I, it's were... weird. Cause you can't find anything like there's just innuendo and supposition. It's very strange. Well, it's probably like at this point in the eighties, like eighties, eighties and early nineties, I would imagine probably nearly every movie was offered it's, to Tom Hanks. And... That's a solid point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I can think of a favorite scene or a favorite line. I've already mentioned you know the one when he just all of a sudden that realization that that's his dad that's out there on the field. Um, there's that one. I love the scene with uh, his wife at the PTO meeting. Um, <laughs> I was just getting going. Did you see? Mm. I I, let's I ex- a vote yeah. who's for Ava Braun here <laughs> who wants to burn books I experienced the 60s no I think you had two 50s and moved right into the 70s well your husband Nazi dug cow. under his corn and built a baseball field the weirdo <laughs> well, at least I'm not a book burning Nazi cow yeah. at least I'm not married to the <laughs> biggest horse's ass in three counties <laughs> wow here we go See, we can do the whole scene. All right, Beulah, do you want to step outside? <laughs> I have a better idea. Let's put it to a vote. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so great. Yeah. I really love watching uh, Burt Lancaster as Doc Graham yeah. talk about wanting to have one at bat. Mm-hmm. You know, a chance to, to squint at a sky so blue it hurts your eyes. And feel the tingle up your arm as the bat connects with the ball. Wink at the pitcher, make him think you know you know something he doesn't. <laughs> you know, and talk about just rounding the bases, stretch a double into a triple, and flop face first into third as your arms wrap around the bag. Just there's some there's something so beautiful and poetic 
listening to him talk about that as his as his one wish. And I and I do have to say again about the the whole idea of the the emotions of this movie, the the weight of this movie being able to hit no matter what age you are. Um I remember as a kid watching this movie and thinking, you know, the moment that he starts to step off the field and when everybody gets nervous about it and they're like, well, but, but if you step off the field, then you, then you can't go back. And, and I remember as a kid thinking like, oh man, like he's the only person that can save this girl, but he's going to lose his chance to stay on the field and play. And, and I, I remember that, you know, even bothering me as a kid being like, oh, that's, that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Pat, did you have a favorite scene or a favorite line? Uh, you know what? You guys you guys hit them all. Uh, We've I, quoted most of the movie, so. Yeah, I know. I, you know, that end piece where all the cars are coming is is just yeah so amazing. Um, you know. And that's real, too. They got, mm-hmm. uh, they, they put a thing out in the local paper. Yeah. And I think it got picked up by the Chicago Tribune. Cool. So a whole bunch, a whole bunch more people showed up than they, than they anticipated. Yeah, and, and they uh, they communicated with everybody through a radio, a local radio station, telling them when to turn or uh, flash between their high beams and their regular headlights to get that uh, twinkling effect that you mm-hmm. see. Right, I, I, I that was cool, and you know, the movie had an air of mystery about it, and they really, but I mean, so cool how they how uh, they they created that mystery and I'm, I was sitting here as you guys were talking about your favorite scenes and it's just it's a combination of everything but there's no real and it's creepy is the wrong word mystery that's the word I'm going to use but I think it was that haunting theme that we spoke of before and just the way things would happen like when Kevin Costner turned the van around and was going to head off and then all of a sudden he turned and James Earl Jones is standing in the middle of the street and you're and and they hit the the chord on the music, and you're kind of like, whoa, uh, you know, something big has happened. Or you know, when the guys disappear in the corner, when he's walking, and and you hit, I, I don't know, but it, I don't have a, a favorite scene, one scene, but just it was the air of mystery that was attached to it. Um, the same kind of mystery that you got in the middle of uh, or in the middle of the uh, Inception. You know, when you're like, is he in the dream or is he not in the dream? The same kind of mystery you get in M. Night Shyamalan movies. It's not like things are jumping right out at you, but it is like, uh, um, you know, that something isn't 100% right. Not that it's wrong, but it's just there's something a little bit out of the ordinary. Right. So I, I don't I don't have a specific scene, but it was that mood of the movie was pretty awesome. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. What are you asking me for? I don't know. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, 
and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Well, I have five questions for us, and we're going to go through these five questions fairly quickly, so we're not going to take a whole lot of time, but they are going to kind of expand on some of the things we've talked about um, and and maybe give us a couple of other things to to mention related to what we've already said. But um, so our five questions this time. Question number one, what is your favorite Kevin Costner role? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. I'm going to have to say this one. Um, are we saying favorite Kevin Costner role or favorite Kevin Costner movie? Favorite role. Kevin Costner role. So it doesn't, um, he doesn't have to be the star. Oh, open range. Okay. That's a good one too. Um, so Bo, since you took, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I'm going to go with the untouchables. Nicely done. That was no. my number two. That was, I was back and forth on which one was going to be my, my favorite one. So I was like, well, if somebody else mentions Robin Hood, I'll go that way. If somebody else mentions an untouchable, the, the, the comedy in Robin Hood swayed me at the end, mm-hmm. the stuff between him and Morgan Freeman just kills me. Yeah. All right. Question number two, who or what do you think the voice is? And it's not a daytime talk show. That's not what I'm asking. <laughs> I think it's a combination of Ray's subconscious and shoeless joe speaking ray's subconscious helping him recognize what it is that he longs for what it is that he hopes for what helping him recognize what his what his what he's after so he feels complete yeah that works (laughs) (laughs) it's a tough one i i've always thought it was um shoeless joe just because i'm I, i sort of take it literally you know he does shoeless joe does say it once but yeah, not, but not like verbatim, but but I get the sense that he's doing it to help Ray reach the the milestone that with his dad that he needs. So it's like he knew that he knew what Ray wanted. Right, so he, he knows repeating. what's going on. He's involved yeah. somehow. So I always just thought it was him, but your explanation makes more sense. <laughs> I've always assumed it was God. That was kind of the path I took that if you, if, if we're, if we're saying that the cornfield is heaven or at least some kind of pathway to or from heaven, my assumption was always that this voice is some kind of voice of God trying to guide Ray and what he's doing. Patrick, go ahead and give your answer and then we'll tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, you know, I think it's a matter of, of, of what you believe, um, you know, and, and I don't know which direction we exactly want to go with the, uh, uh, with the overall podcast there, but I think if you uh, believe in God or believe in a higher power, then, you know, that's what you heard or some combination of that or the, the voice of that higher power speaking to you. If you believe, um, it, it, you know, if you don't believe that, then, you, you know, maybe you hear it as, the subconscious, or maybe you see it as some sort of a, uh, a combination of the two or, you know, I mean, yeah, that's not, it's, I don't think it's any one thing. Yeah. It's, it, it, and that's what, when I said earlier, I think this movie can really broker um, some deeper conversations. Let's talk about what that voice is. And then let's see if we're done before, you know, midnight tomorrow night. You know, so it's like, um, uh, I think that's a, that's a very deep question and it, it just kind of, it, it, it depends on what your beliefs are. So. It's still one of the uh, closely guarded secrets about this movie too. Nobody knows 
who the voice was in the movie. Because mm. if you look at the end credits, it's credited as himself. Yeah, that was my daughter, Nora, had a really fun time with that. When the movie ended and the credits started to come up, she just she just was incredulous. She's like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't get to see what's in the corn. Why don't we get to see what's in the corn? Who was that voice? And so then you know, the credits come up and she's watching the credits and it gets to where it says the voice himself. She's like, himself, what does that even mean? I was like, it's okay. It's a movie. It's all right. But I want to know what the corn looks like. Corn, you're gonna be okay. So corn looks like okay. corn. I, next week, I'm gonna show her children of the corn, and then she'll forget about it. Exactly. <laughs> well, China, I think I, I think this summer you need to take the kids uh, out to the field in Iowa. I I am definitely thinking about that, and I actually just saw that they're they're doing their 30th anniversary. I say they've got a big anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing something. I, I pulled it up on their website. Uh, Saturday, June 15th, 2019 is their 30th anniversary celebration. And, um, they said that, uh, there's going to be all kinds of food vendors, um, live music, all kinds of other stuff. Um, and then the actor Dwyer Brown, who played young John Kinsella is going to be there. Um, they're going to have, I guess, extended times where you can play catch on the field and, um, all kinds of other stuff that's going on, uh, related to the 30th anniversary. So if anybody is interested in awesome. going and going on June 15th, that's when they're doing their official, uh, there is a spot where you can buy tickets for some of the stuff that's going on. Um, so if you want to check that out, it's a field of dreams, site.com And then they've got a section for their 30th anniversary stuff. So, but yes, when I, when I told the kids, this is an actual place, uh, Nora was like, no, oh, cool. Cool. And John was like, okay, when are we going? <laughs> I said, okay, we'll, we'll, We'll find a good time to go. I think that that needs to be a trip that we do for somebody who's as interested in baseball as he is. Like we we gotta we gotta go check this out. It's Absolutely. really cool. It's yeah. We went when I was 12, 13, something like that. Hmm. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I've been there two or three times. It's it's a lot of it. You know, it's, it can be a, it can be a day trip. It's easier maybe if you do it overnight and then, you know, stop in Galena for a little bit, walk around and see if you can figure out where they shot the scenes for Mm -hmm. uh, Chisholm, Minnesota. Yeah. All right. Number three on our list of questions. What historical baseball player would you want to play catch with? And they don't have to be dead. Uh, Frank Chance. Really? Wow. Well, It was either Tinker Evers or Chance. I flipped a coin. (laughs) <laughs> you have a three-sided coin hey i can flip a coin twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if i can answer this question okay um like ted williams would be awesome mickey Mantle would be awesome roberto clemeni would be awesome um, i would i would ernie banks nolan. or ron santo okay nice i would choose nolan ryan but i want him standing like really far away so i don't die <laughs> Pat, my would you guy, have one? Is there a historical baseball player you'd play catch with? My guy has to just be a patient uh, coach because he'd have to, <laughs> you know, help me out a whole lot. <laughs> this is this is how you put the glove on. Mm-hmm. Although, in all fairness, whenever I'd be playing catch with friends, they'd always be like, "Yo, you got to use a glove," and I was like the only lefty, so I had to like when I was ever playing catch, I'd always have to catch left-handed and throw with my right hand. Okay. I am like 
so unbelievably left-sided, not even left-handed, but like left-sided that it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a little rough. So yeah, I would need to have someone that would, uh, you know, whoever would just be patient and uh, um, a good coach and whoever it was would have to be able to tell a lot of stories. Cause I just want to, you know, anytime you get a guy like that or a guy like, you know, some famous baseball player, just like tell, just talk, just tell stories. Tell me about like, hey, with that, I remember the time that, you know, because that's, that's what makes, the, you know, these guys um, so fascinating to me. I mean, beyond their athletic prowess and, and their, their skill at something is just, you know, the stories and the, and the his, historical, the, the history that they represent. So, yeah. All right. Number four, what is your favorite movie with a father-son theme? <sighs> Son of a... <laughs> Yeah, in and, Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. Ah, mine. That's mine. That's a good one. <laughs> but there, you know, that that was low hanging fruit because we did just talk about it. But there are yeah. some really good ones. I mean, heck, Finding Nemo. Yeah, Lion King. Yeah. If you want one with Kevin Costner, there's that one, The War. Yep. Um. Road to Perdition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the road. I need to see Road to Perdition again. It's been a while. What about uh, Godfather? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, also, I think I'd even throw in there, even though the it's not through. It keeps coming back. It, it's not through the entire movie, but um, I would even say like Superman the movie. You get all of that with Marlon Brando and Christopher Reeve, and just kind of the mm-hmm. you know the, the back and forth stuff about father and son and and all that. And especially that the beginning of the movie when he's putting him in the ship and he's giving that whole speech about, you know, the father sending the son out and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of angles you could play this one. Pat, did you have one for this one? Mine would honestly be The Last Crusade. Oh, did you, oh yeah. That's what I, you said. I hate to say it because it is the low hanging fruit. But I mean, that's that's the one that, you know, just that. Uh, oh, first one that pops into your head. Exactly. So I'm going to go with that because you mentioned all those other movies and I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. one. Oh, yeah, that one. You know. Um, I, I but Last Crusade, because that's the one that pops into my head. Yeah. All right. Last question. If you could build something to bring back a hero or group of heroes of yours, what would you build and who would it bring back? I vote for Pat's answer. I, um, your vote is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, my wrongness wore off on you. Um, you know what? Well, and I, it's funny because I, I, I'm going to squeeze two answers in on this one. I'm going to have a sports theme and then an anything theme, but my, my answer would be, you know what? Um, um, well, we, we being, you know, Jeffrey and I, we are going to build a, uh, um, uh, an auditorium. And then like every night you go, a different, uh, famous musician or musicians will come out and perform. Nice. So, you know, it could be like, you know, we go there tonight and guess what? It's Sinatra at the Sands with the Count Basie Orchestra. And, uh, well, Jeff, let's be honest, if those guys show up, we'll probably be seeing that every night for at least a yeah. year. Yeah, that, and then, 
that'll be yeah extended booking yes and so you know but but it would just be something like that where just every time you go um you know there's there's other musicians and it it just could be it i mean let your let your let your brain go everyone that you wanted to see live there there they are so that would be my uh that would be my my first answer like i said i i vote for pat's answer okay all right so this is a joint venture you guys are yes building the auditorium together that's kind of awesome guys i mean you know yeah all right bo what do you got yeah i this one was really hard for me i didn't come up with much um i was trying to think what i would build to bring back somebody like carl sagan or something like that you know i don't know what i would build so i kind of struggled with that one would you would you build a space like i don't even know yeah what would be the correlation there well, I told Jeff earlier today, Nora's Nora saw this question written down and she already answered it. She's like, I would build a science lab and bring it back Albert Einstein because he's my celebrity crush. This is a strange girl you have. Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. Well, you know what? And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, you know, Bowen, listen listening to your description. Would you be building something and that they all come back to? Or would it be something like Midnight in Paris where Right? You know, you get like, like I say, build something or, but maybe it's more sort of like when Kevin Costner went out for the walk and suddenly he was in Chisholm back from the seventies or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. Good call. Maybe you build a library. Yeah. And, and you, you, anytime you open up a book, that author appears to tell you about oh, their, their process of go. writing that story. See, that's, like it. that's pretty close to what mine is except mine is slightly less noble most <laughs> of my favorite authors had drinking problems so i was going to build a bar done there we go um picasso do- at the lepin agile mm-hmm. there's a whole play about that i was i was going to build it's a, a really bar good and play the- too oh really it's a fantastic a show yeah okay um yeah i was going to build something like a bar and go down uh, to Key West to Hemingway's bar. Well, see, that's that's what I'm saying is I would bring back Ernest Hemingway. I'd bring back Raymond Carver. I'd bring back. There's a whole bunch of writers um, that I, I knew were, you know, fans of the drink, and so I figured maybe doing that would uh, would entice them to come back from wherever they are, just so we can sit down and have a conversation every now and then. I suppose if I had to venture out on my own and not steal Pat's answer, I would build a movie theater. Mm, and when yes. you when you screen a movie, the actors in the movie appear and share stories about making making that movie and and just their time in Hollywood. So, like if I'm watching To Kill a Mockingbird, Gregory Peck will show up and sit and have a conversation for a while. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. All right. Well, if uh, any of you listening out there, if you got something you would build to bring somebody back, let us know. We'd love to hear what your answers to these five questions would be. Um, if we don't have anything else, I think that's going to do it for us for Field of Dreams. Does anybody have anything else you want to add to? Well, I was going to uh, say, hopefully we can uh, possibly do a little uh, one-off with Dennis. Yeah. And get some of his thoughts, because I know he really wanted to be in on this one as well. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we can find a time to do a, 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 a episode 225.5.5. Yeah. 
and just let him share some of his thoughts because he's got a lot of great thoughts about this movie too. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this time. Uh, we are going to be back here next week with major, actually this episode's been a little bit delayed just because I've been sick. So uh, within a matter of a few days, you will probably be getting major league in your podcast feed. So that's going to be our next one. And then we're going to follow that up since we're in our month of sports movies. We're following that up with the wizard, the power glove. It's so bad. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the blood of heroes will be after that one. We are at uh, 30podcast.com. That's probably the best way to find all the different ways to get in touch with us. But we are pretty active on Twitter. Um, like I said, voicemail line, you can call into that. The number is going to be on the website as well. So thank you, Bo and Jeff and Pat, for being here. And Dennis, we will, if you're listening, Dennis, we will uh, catch you up next time. And we'll uh, get some of your stuff on here, too, because I know you had a lot you wanted to say about uh, Field of Dreams. All right. We will see you all next time. Um, in the meantime, be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies.